Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome back to another episode of Fiercely Altered Perspective. Also known as the Fat Pod. I am Ember. And I am Quinn. And what's up? What's going on? What's good? What's crack-a-lackin'? What's crack-a-lackin'? So we have a few little announcements that we need to say due to some whoopsies and other information. Connect. So um, Ember was saying that we would have this one and then we were going into our big case. I lied. Just kidding. We have this one and then Juan more. Yeah. And then we go into the big case. Correct. Right. I think. But the big case is going to be barrels of fun. That's yes. your only hint. Yes. It will be a blast, <laughs> if you will. Yeah? Yeah. 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 And I also need to give a shout out to Sam. She goes over a lot of our cases first. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. sometimes I purposely mess up my grammar because she is a grammar Nazi. Oh, shit. Just to see if she pays attention. <laughs> I love you, Sam. <laughs> my favorite one was uh peaked yeah i, I spelled it like peak p-e-a-k no like peekaboo oh. i think yeah just to mess with her and it, she's like i'm sorry this is one of my pet peeves <laughs> <laughs> And then with tonight's, uh, our other friend, Bree, looked over it as well. Right. So every once in a while, we like to send things off. I like to make sure, especially if it's uh, for a certain region ooh, or a certain specific subject. Right. Uh, just to make sure that we're getting our stuff correct. Right. Or if it's also people that in a roundabout sort of way have a connection connection or vested interest or something along the lines of that yes yeah yes yeah so we just i forgot to say that last or yesterday and so yeah here we are first day we did jameson and whiskey yeah second day we did the unnamed mm-hmm. third day we did adventure time uh-huh fourth day we did vampires yes we did fifth day we did till mccheese and a nut <laughs> yes and and today, what are we doing today? Well, today we are going to talk about the Loveland River House. Ooh, and why would we talk about such a thing? Well... Oh, wait, we have more announcements, don't we? Well, get to announcing then. I forgot what the other ones were. <laughs> what were the other announcements that you wanted to say about this episode? We were talking about it before we started recording. That we were going to go over some of this shit before we actually got into the meat and taters of it. Mm-hmm. And I was getting ready to do that. Oh, okay. I forgot what the other announcement was that didn't have anything to do with this case. Because you had said one, and I had said one about Sam, wanting to mention Sam. Right. You wanted to mention Sam. I had already mentioned that screwed up on, the, it, after this one, we were going into the big one. Yeah, I thought there was one more, but apparently not. Maybe I'm crazy. Probably crazy. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. You've got some editing to do. I know. It's whatever. 
So anyway, today we're going to be talking about the Loveland River House. However, before we get into this case, <sighs> this case deals with lots of difficult things, lots of hard things. Uncomfortable things to talk about. Right. So we're going to have a lot of links. Well, not a lot, but we're going to have a bunch of links in the show notes that will help people, if need be, to get to the right place. Um, this deals with veterans. This deals with veterans with PTSD. Mm -hmm. This deals with veteran suicide. This deals with shit. Lots yeah. and lots and lots of different things. Right. It's an unfortunate circumstance mm -hmm. that happened and uh, w w <laughs> and you will find out at the end a little bit more once we get to it but we just wanted to throw that out there now if you can't listen to anything that covers those subjects now is the time to go find something yeah don't and don't stay here right because it's gonna get it's gonna get uh personal yeah in it's a way. gonna get pretty rowdy and uh like in all seriousness, if you are a veteran, if you are feeling suicidal, even if you're not a veteran and you're feeling suicidal, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there willing to help. Yeah. There are more avenues that you could take to, re you know, all you have to do is ask. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Sometimes it's really hard to ask and sometimes it's not easy to ask. And that's that's where us as society need to help pay attention and pick up on cues as well mm -hmm. and and talk to people and ask them hey man how are you doing today and just find out how you know uh, communication communication is absolutely key it is. It is important to talk, and so we will have all of uh, a few different links down in the show notes mm -hmm. for anybody that may need that. Correct. All right. So, and the reason why we were talking about this one is like we said in yesterday's episode, we talked about something that happened where Ember grew up yesterday. Mm -hmm. We're talking about something that happened where I grew up today. Yeah. So... so. Go ahead and kick us off then. All right. On Tuesday, January 3rd, 1989 in Loveland, Colorado at 6.48 p.m., Officer Alan Opie and Larimer County, Sher or, yeah, Larimer County Sheriff's Deputy Jay Hirokawa received a dispatch to a domestic disturbance on Glade Road. Suspect was 35-year-old Wayne Strazzi, recently paroled for serving two and a half years in state prison in Canyon City on cocaine charges. Wayne was also a two-time Vietnam veteran of the 101st Airborne Division. Right. So you have a combat vet that came back and also went to prison for cocaine charges. Mm -hmm. Probably meaning he was trying to self-medicate. Yeah. Yeah. Bad side number one. So between 8.57 and 7.14 p.m., the officers had arrived at the scene to see his estranged wife. Her name was Barbara, but in some articles she went by Bobby. So I'm not sure which one that she may prefer. Uh, but she had a swollen face and she had told Opie and Hirokawa that he showed up to try to reconcile their relationship, but knowing that she had been seeing another man while he was in prison caused a huge fight to break out and she felt like he nearly broke her neck. However, the officers felt she would not follow through with any of the charges, sadly. Statistically. Yeah, a lot of women don't. Right. Because they're terrified. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to see what all they would need or if they would even have to have her in order to file a third-degree assault charge. And a third-degree assault charge means the offender 
or knowingly or recklessly cause bodily injury. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that just sounded really weird when it came out. <laughs> yeah. To another person or in some cases injury by means of a deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. It's safe for us to assume that Wayne was becoming more and more agitated and retrieved a 9mm pistol and at uh, 7.22pm Opie flies over yeah, Opie flies over the radio stating shots fired. Hirakawa had been shot in the arm and they needed backup. Suspect fled east down Highway 34 in a pickup. Police would quickly be in pursuit. In a panicked rage, Wayne flew into the parking lot of the River House restaurant, which was located at or located on Eisenhower Boulevard, and it was a pretty nice restaurant by all accounts. I remember going there a couple of times as a wee pup. Yeah. And it was it was a nice place. It really was. It right on the side of the Big Thompson River. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful scenery. It just I wouldn't say it was a five star place by any means. Right, but it was nice. But it was it was a good it was a peaceful place. It was super relaxed. It was super mellow. It was just <sighs> There was a really good restaurant, I think in between Tillamook and Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even maybe it was in Garibaldi between that and Rockaway right on the coast. Yeah. And it was this one restaurant where it was a little bit fancier, not super fancy. Right. But a little bit more expensive that looked right over the mm-hmm. ocean and stuff. Oh, and their food was so good. I'm so I'm assuming pretty like pretty sure I I'm pretty sure that I know which one you're talking about. The dark brown building? I don't remember what it was called, but uh, I don't either. When Jason and Bill and I went up there. Oh, I'm sure. We went to a place and literally sat like it was it, it felt like an enclosed patio, but it wasn't and we were mm-hmm. right on a cliff edge looking out over the ocean Mm -hmm. but it same but different yeah same but different you know you're right there by the river and Mm -hmm. stuff there's there's always cool restaurants like that i love to find those there's another place called alice's Mm -hmm. on the tillamook yeah that's what it would have been like is something along the lines of analysis okay right on the river just that kind of whole vibe that goes with it Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. okay okay and inside you would find what you would typically find in any restaurant families friends so on and so forth so uh some of those would be members of the Lions Club and the Lions Club would be like Shriners or Mm -hmm. um, usually the older generations correct um gathering up shooting the breeze having a good time but they helped raise money for many different charities around town right like the so shop like at the cop and the fireman's fund and stuff like that you know the truly truly good people right people that are always putting other people first right correct okay. right and uh they were there to have a meeting and other important people uh would be and or another important person would be off-duty officer Steve Bethel Mm -hmm. and his wife, his wife, Belva. Uh, when Wayne Strazzi came in the door of the restaurant armed with a pistol, most of the people thought it was a robbery and Wayne actually accused many of them, keeping only about 10 to 15, a mix of workers, patrons, and some of the Lions Club members. Yeah, so as one could probably put themselves in that situation, you have a man flying into a restaurant in a freak-out mode right. with a gun. Right, that's already shot one cop. Yeah. Shot at two cops. Uh-huh. And... Now, now, mind you, let me set the scene a little bit more for you. In 1989 in Loveland, mm-hmm. it was slightly small farm town right so really small community right but it was it was a small tight-knit community it's 
they're nothing like what it is today. It's, right now, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. But it's it was a it was a small down home, mm-hmm. lots of farms, lots of of ranches, stuff like that. Nestled right up against the the Rocky Mountains. It's just a, a quiet, peaceful little town. Right. And don't you have like the Rockies on one side, and then great big open fields on the other from all the farming and such? Yeah. Or it, you it, used to? It literally Loveland is nestled up at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains are to the west of Loveland and the Great Plains are to the east. Right. It's so. a really cool place. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, a lot of people were actually able to leave. Right. He let them leave except for he wanted to keep some. Right. So at 741 and some of these times are important because everything happens pretty quickly this night, right. but also feels like it took forever. Right. Yeah. It's Timeline wise, it's really, really quick as far as the clock goes. Correct. But it took a life time to happen yes exactly so at 7:41, wayne called the police from the restaurant and ordered the cops to get to the area as he had a sauce a hostage a what a sausage a sausage I love sausages Mmm, uh. <laughs> <laughs> sausage <laughs> oh as he had a hostage before he hung up the phone and then he actually destroyed it mm-hmm. so the dispatcher tells police that he is armed and has a female hostage and this hostage was not None other than fellow police officer Bethel, his wife. So that's a high, it's already a high tense situation. Right. Because you had a domestic call right. that ended in violence. That shots ended fired. In, yeah, shots fired. He goes, now he has a hostage and the hostage is a fellow officer's wife. Right. Great. Right. What a great day for the police. Right. Mm-hmm. Not trying to, to be punny or funny about this but it's a tragic tragic turn of events it really is so wayne had taken belva and demanded the husband steve to give him the keys to their car so he could leave after he handed over the keys wayne held a gun to belva's head and walked her outside to get to the car however police were not far behind and as they were walking wayne actually spotted an officer who was joe burden and he shot at him striking him in the shoulder Mm mm-hmm and that made him panic so he quickly dragged Belva back inside and decided to start making demands and keep it all within the restaurant. Right. Police hung back as not to invoke any more deaths and had an ambulance on the way for Officer Burden. Yeah, when they make contact it's only through the door with different hostages as Wayne's bodyguard. The other female hostage was Sally Mills. She was in her 40s and a waitress for the River House. Between 7.41 after the call to the police and 8.13 when Wayne demanded a phone or he will start killing hostages. He also ordered police to make the ambulance go away because the lights were making him angry. To comply, the ambulance was moved further back in order to help the wounded officer, Joe Bearden. So you had this guy who is out of control by this point. Right. And I think anybody can agree when you're in a state of anger or panic, any extra outside stuff is that kind of extra trigger. Too loud or too many flashing lights and so they didn't want him to snap and just start blowing everybody up right so we can kind of get a feeling for the amount of tension Mm -hmm. that would have to be in the atmosphere at that point and if anybody has watched a movie where it's a hostage situation right you know how that feels oh yeah well you don't know but i mean you can get the idea right right sure (laughs) so more and more police start showing up and they surround the building completely and they're trying 
trying to negotiate with him um, while he's holding a gun to Sally's head and using her as a human shield every time he went to talk outside the door. Mm -hmm. So they could never get a clear shot. Right. So to paint a little bit of a picture for this building, three sides are easily accessible with the fourth side literally overhanging the Big Thompson River. Mm. And to my recollection, it's probably a between a 30 and a 50 foot drop from that edge of the building down to the river. So it's it's not like it's a viable escape route. Right. So he doesn't really have anywhere that he can go. Right. Right. Okay. So tensions were high and they knew that the time was going to be short. Obviously, if he's freaking out over an ambulance, they're Mm. not going to have much time to try to get this done. So police sergeant Chuck uh, Higney. What? Higney. Higney. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Puts police all the way around and he puts sharpshooters across the building to get a better view of the suspect. By 8:18, Sergeant Higney checks with one shooter, Corporal Dick Clark, to make sure he is comfortable and in position. Once uh the corporal gave the green light, they went back to trying to calm Wayne down. They just wanted to make sure that they had somebody ready if they absolutely needed it, but they still want to try to calm him down get him to surrender and have it be clean right so time wise yeah it's been about an hour and a half mm-hmm. from the very first call yeah yeah uh, hour and 20 minutes from the very first call correct mm-hmm. um there wasn't much talk uh, to be had wayne started ordering outlandish things like a helicopter or a plane to libya where he has contacts telling police that they only have five minutes or he'd start killing everyone he sees frustrated sergeant hickney tells officers wayne is no longer listening to reason anymore this uh this was at 8 25 p.m by 8 27 just two minutes later wayne along with patrons he forced he had forced to do what he had said okay yeah he yeah. had forced to do what he had said started throwing bottles of liquor on the ground while wayne shouts he's going to burn the place down so quickly he is unraveling oh yeah yeah he's detonating yeah he is on full self-destruct right so higney asks at 8 31 if strazi will let the civilians go just let everybody else go, please. Mm-hmm. By 8.37, police have the all green light from Captain Bill Schommel. Sure. Telling everybody to keep it clean and mistakes free, but if you have to, proceed. Right. Not long after that, a young man who was who worked in the restaurant freaked out and bolt to- bolted towards the back of the building and locked himself in the walk-in freezer. Mm-hmm. With that, Wayne got distracted, and as he was still holding Sally, he turns and starts shooting towards the young man right running so he's turned around right with that window of opportunity a captive was able to escape out the front door running to police and he was telling police that wayne had taped the necks of some of the hostages <coughs> taped in together in one single file line and put him in front of the window to protect himself mm-hmm. around the 8:45 mark an old man was separated from his wife and was handed all the car keys he was ordered by wayne to go outside and clear all the cars from the parking lot and shouts to police that they have until 9 p.m. to meet his demands or everyone inside would die and he would burn the building to the ground. Things were quiet for a few moments as shooters keep an eye on Wayne trying to get a clear shot as to not injure Sally Mills, who is still being used as a shield. Finally, at 8.58, a shot from a rifle breaks free, echoing across the Rockies as a police sharpshooter's bullet finds its way into the left portion of Wayne's torso, causing him to fall back. As Wayne falls, he shoots the hostage Sally Mills in the chest and thighs and drops her instantly a firefight breaks out and firefight breaks out after police confirmed strazi was shot uh, from or yeah, excuse me a firefight breaks out after all the police confirm that wayne strazi shot the waitress right so if you can 
and put it into like thinking about the movies. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you hear that. Right. And it hits Wayne. And as he falls back, he decides to kill his hostage. Right. And then everything kind of slows as police are like, oh, yeah. he shot her. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah. Where it was a firefight. Right. Right. All hell breaks loose. Right. Because that is not how they want a hostage situation to ever go. No. So also to make matters worse, somewhere in the panic, 45 year old Fenton Crokeshack, a member of the Lions Club, <coughs> crawls out of a bathroom window by the front of the restaurant. When he didn't comply with commands, he was fatally shot by swap sharpshooter by what Ooh, by swat sharpshooter sergeant bob kinger four times to the chest kinger mistook crook shack with wayne strazi mm-hmm. whoops mm-hmm. by 902 the shootout was over wayne who had fallen out of the restaurant was rolling on the ground away from his firearm with gunshot wounds to the chest and head time suddenly speeds up as first responders and police load sally mills who is still alive into an ambulance and off to the nearest hospital which what was that hospital called again mckee medical center. That's correct. Uh, more people came flooding in to check for signs of life. Wayne Strazzi was still alive and was also headed to the hospital for care. This is when they realized that the man outside the window was a patron and not the suspect. A mistake no one wants in this situation, especially since they already had one hostage in critical condition after being shot by the suspect. Mm-hmm. Another hostage was treated for cuts to her foot from the broken glass. Now, the hostage situation lasted only an hour and a half. Right. So, uh, how long was it total? less than like just over two hours just over two hours yeah from the time the cops are called for domestic violence to a full-blown shootout Mm -hmm. and by the time the shootout was completely over soon they would find that sally mills died at the hospital and two hours after that wayne strazi died in surgery three lives lost after what police thought was just going to be a domestic disturbance call right the story only starts here Mm -hmm. because wow yeah so the Loveland Police Department was placed under scrutiny about how the night was handled, or excuse me, handled from all angles. This the Loveland Police Department was placed under scrutiny at <coughs> the Loveland Police Department was placed under scrutiny about how the night had been or had been handled from all angles. The first would come from the chain of command. The force was criticized for not calling the Denver Police Department for their SWAT team, which is 60 miles away and more than likely a few hours. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. realistically. Well, yeah, you got to load. First, they have to call the team, brief the team, get them there. Right. And so you're you're looking at a pretty good stretch of time. And look at how quickly Wayne was unraveling. They would have never had time. Never, 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 never. Mm-hmm. So the shooting also happened at night and they were under the acting police chief because the one or the actual police chief had literally retired that day mm-hmm. and the new one was set to start the next day right so they just had one random acting police chief it's like hey billy you want to do this for the night it's a tuesday night what's going to happen on a tuesday night right apparently this <laughs> yeah um so <clears throat> excuse me it was ruled that they did the best that they could with the situation they had wayne strazzi was never going to wait hours for swat to show up or the negotiator and they had to take action yeah so i mean uh, realistically, realistically you kind of have to live by the moment moment to moment yeah with that kind of situation well and and truthfully i mean again get into your mind that this was a smaller town that is mainly farmers and ranchers and oh it's completely foreign to them right uh, not you something know, that they would know yeah uh, well i mean you kind of get to know but it's not something that 
not something you plan for. It's not something you prep for. You know, you, you worry about punk-ass kids riding dirt bikes up and down the streets. You right. Worry, <laughs> you worry about... Definitely not any of that. Yeah. It it, it was small-town USA. Mm-hmm. I mean, truthfully, sincerely, it was what you picture in your mind of small-town USA, even to this day, where, oh, man, that'll never happen here. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that happens in the big cities. Not, if even that, I mean, stuff like that happens in the movies. It's easy to disconnect yourself mm-hmm. from that so when you have cases like this where it's in a small town it's like holy yeah holy shit what if that happened here right like how would that be right right mm-hmm. so the next angle of scrutiny would be because of the death of fenton crookshack original report stated that the officer believed crookshack to be strozzi when he exited the window and was standing or standing pointing an object with his right hand and ignored the don't move orders the officer shot crookshack in the chest four times police investigation ruled the shooting justified however mm-hmm. according to other eyewitness reports <laughs> crookshack was shot while climbing out of the window and was dead by the time he landed on the roof of the car below him exactly so the bathroom window was actually south of the parking lot with a sidewalk between the cars and the building. Furthermore, official autopsy came in stating that Crookshack was indeed crawling through the window when the fatal shots occurred, so the police had lied. With that, the family contended that the death was inexcusable, and police knew Wayne was mortally injured at the time Crookshack fled for his life. So, in September of 1990, the city of Loveland settled with the widow and children of Fenton Crookshack for a hefty amount, and they mm-hmm. also settled the lawsuit by attorneys for the family of Sally Mills. Mm-hmm. So they kind of got, you know, the first wave, they got hit with, why didn't you call the SWAT team? Right. Let's look and make sure that what you're saying is justified. Second, unfortunately, you shot a civilian. Yeah. Whoopsie. Right. That You shot a dude that was truthfully terrified for his life and was doing what he could to save himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they knew that Wayne was already shot in the front, they would know that that wasn't him crawling out. But it kind of goes, we can sit here and we can, oh, we can, we can judge and, all you want. and speculate. But when you're living in that moment, right. who knows? Right. Now, seriously, it went from bad to worse to awful mm-hmm. in a very, very small moment of time. Mm-hmm. Originally, police thought they had killed Wayne Strozzi, but it was later confirmed after shooting Sally Mills, Wayne delivered a fatal shot to his own head Mm -hmm. this would bring in the final angle of scrutiny from his estranged wife barbara bobby her sister sherry ricker told the news in 1989 that when it was ruled a suicide that it was what they all expected Mm, correct they did right Barbara thought police overreacted, thinking maybe no one would have died if she would have been able to talk to him. Well, I can appreciate that. Right. The situation started because they got into a fight. Right. Which caused him to put hands on her and try right. to kill her. Right. And then shoot a police officer. Uh-huh. And then leave and hold hostages. Uh-huh. I'm sure in the police state of mind, because that's how my state of mind would be, the last thing I'm going to do is let that person talk to them. Right. Oh, that's- Because who knows where that trigger would go. Where he was at mentally, I, and this is me speaking completely offhand, Mm -hmm. where he was at mentally, that would not have soothed the situation. No. And I can understand being the wife or whatever wanting to try to help. Right. I can get that. I just hope that now she realizes that that wouldn't have been helpful. Sure. I don't think. I mean, maybe, maybe, but we can't live life off of maybes either. Mm -hmm. It happened and there wasn't much that anybody could do by that point. Right. 
She ended up calling the police department inexperienced, further telling them that before he left that night, he said he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Okay. So apparently after he beat her up mm-hmm. and police showed up and he shot at him. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to kill myself. Goodbye. Right. And left. So in a roundabout sort of way, this qualifies for suicide, but it also qualifies for suicide by cop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's another case that we will work on that we will cover, the Ronald Gene Simmons case. Mm-hmm. Almost the exact same as this case, but his was on a much larger scale. Right. But he actually wanted to have death by cop. Mm-hmm. Or he was going to commit suicide himself, but but was afraid that he might not die on the first one. Yeah. So then he was going to do suicide by cop, but then he decided, nah, if they catch me, I'll just make them do the death penalty. Right. And they did. <laughs> so, I mean, he still got what he wanted. Yeah. But, and unfortunately, he was also a combat veteran. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of where this is going into. And real quickly, we just want everybody to know that if you are a veteran or especially a combat veteran, right. we are not saying that this is you no not by any means and it they're uncomfortable statistics but we can't we can't shy away from them either right they're un they're uncomfortable and unfortunate statistics Mm -hmm. however they are just that exactly statistics so wayne strazzi had severe ptsd he had constant flashbacks to vietnam he was born in 1954 which was just one year before the vietnam war started and so he probably enlisted the second he turned 18 in 1972 Mm -hmm. so that was three years before the war ended in 1975. Right. So he grew up with knowing nothing but this war. war. And this one sticks in everybody's memory. From November 1st, 1955 to April 30th, 1975, it killed over three million people and cemented a spot into our pop, pop culture. Mm-hmm. All the way from Forrest Gump to Platoon to shit, how many movies? Oh my God. How many great movies? Right. Two. Yeah. Well, and, and there's there was movies made late 70s early 80s that dealt with ptsd Mm -hmm. they didn't call it ptsd back then but look at the deer hunter yeah look at that movie that movie that's what that's all about Mm -hmm. so that's yeah yeah so if you watch any movie it's easy to see how somebody may have come back with ptsd right very easily so after two tours wayne was plagued with nightmares uh it was also it was noted that he would often wake up his wife bobby or barbara in the middle of the night and hide with her in the closet saying quiet they'll kill us right and then have no memory of it the next day none whatsoever that's terrifying it really is it's sad is what it is it is it is unfortunately there's always been a stigma with our veterans and ptsd in general there's actually startling statistics in reference to mass shootings and veterans according to an article on beyondthewar.org official link will be in the show notes Mm -hmm. uh they broke down or they broke down some of the mass shootings at about 80 about 85 they took males they took what the majority of mass shooters were okay which are males usually predominantly white between this age group and this age group okay so it was about 83 that they pulled and then from there they broke it down to get these okay so they found that 34 34 percent were veterans of war compared to the 14 percent of general population from the same age range meaning vets are two times more likely to become a mass shooter it goes on to list all mass shootings by vets this is not saying that our veterans 
emotions are bad in any way. No, not at all. Not in any way. You can't be expected to be trained to kill, have seen the worst in humanity, and just toss you back into civilian life and not show weakness. Right, because we also have that other stigma when it comes to veterans or people that are in the military. Mm -hmm. Like, they are the strong. They are, you know, everything. If they show, they cannot show weakness. Right. And so when they come back and then they're just tossed into everyday life, Uh but they also can't say, hey, I need help. Oh, yeah. And these are some of the things that needs to change. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, suicide rates are even worse. Our veterans actually commit suicide at a 50% higher rate than civilians. On the conservative number, about 22 veterans die per day. Mm -hmm. So while many tried to point the finger at the Loveland Police Department and everywhere they could for allowing that night to happen, we really need to remember that we're all to blame because we need to be more active in trying to make sure that our veterans are taken care of. Absolutely. They do everything for us and they're forced to see things that nobody wants to look at. Right. We need to make sure that when they come back, they have every resource available and they don't have to sit on a list forever to get help. Right. Right. You know, the way I look at it, and again, this is my perspective, Mm -hmm. might be some of you guys's, might not be some of you guys's, but this is my perspective. I signed up before I was 18. Mm Mm-hmm. Those of us that signed up volunteered our freedom, volunteered our lives, and volunteered our services Mm -hmm. so that the rest of the United States can have their freedoms. Right. There are certain countries still left in this world that it doesn't make a rat's ass who you are. Mm -hmm. Male, female, trans, it doesn't matter. Right. The day you turn 18, guess what? You go in. You go to the military for a minimum of two years. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. That's a died in the wall certified fact right here in the united states since vietnam there has not been the draft so it has been a personal choice right um i know of a few cases where sometimes it's not been a personal choice but it's (laughs) been it's been the judge's choice Mm -hmm. saying you can go to the military or you can go to the big house you pick right (laughs) But, (laughs) but these are men and women volunteering their life volunteering their time and volunteering their services Mm -hmm. to make sure that us as civilians Mm -hmm. are safe right but most cases when it comes time to re-enlist if you choose to re-enlist perfect you're good as gold you just keep doing what you're gonna do if you don't re-enlist it's like and okay your time's up be free Mm -hmm. there's no debriefing there's no de-escalating there's no there's nothing it's just cool well you just spent 18 months over in the middle of a war Mm -hmm. um bye right well and i do know that they're working on that a little bit Mm -hmm. more uh only because i know somebody that has to go through the next year to be uh like take different classes and Mm -hmm. stuff to learn how to adjust back into civilian life Uh but that wasn't a thing right not back Back then. then right and you know well and that's that's the deal is is in more recent times things are being brought to the front things are being talked about more things We're trying are to pay attention right things are progressing to where where especially combat vets that need it mm-hmm. are getting it well and you know i don't think it's any sort of a sign of weakness if you were a combat vet no. that means you actually you saw you were you were there right it is totally normal to need to be okay with talking about that and getting help oh yeah and 
And so I, for me, it's not about even if you agree with war. It's not even about if you agree with the military. Right. You have a fellow person that has come back broken. Oh, yeah. You need to put aside whatever background they come from. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And help them. That's why I feel the same way when it comes to... Um, <laughs> Our laundry's done. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> But I feel the same way when it touches base with uh, the LGBTQ community yep. and stuff. They're put in situations that other people can't understand. So if they have some sort of uh, PTSD from right. that, you put aside their difference, whatever difference you have with that person. Right. If somebody is saying that they need help. You drop it and you say, okay, how can I help you? Exactly. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. Everything else stops. You can hate that person again the next day if you want to, if you're one of those type of people. Sure. But you should drop your shit and help somebody out. Yep. And, you know, I have got, I've got dozens of friends that are former combat vets. Mm -hmm. And each one of them deals with it in their own special certain way. Oh, everybody has to find their own way right you know uh one of the most common ties tight lips Mm -hmm. most of them don't talk about it oh no 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 yeah and that's that's part of the problem Mm -hmm. is that they don't and in fact one of one of our friends Mm -hmm. brie Mm -hmm. who helped us with this she was a combat vet Mm -hmm. and she had to write this paper and she's beautiful with words she's all the smart things (laughs) right and and she's all the smart things and she's a lovely human being i I love her very deeply. In, in every facet of that word. Mm-hmm. She is she is a great human. She really is. <laughs> so she wrote this paper called Blood Money, and it spells, it's four paragraphs, which you and I can just bounce off back and forth. Sure. And it spells out PTSD. So the first one is P, permanent damage. The disability check I receive from the Veterans Administration every month has a rate attached to it. The value of damage incurred while performing my duties as a soldier. One by one, every ailment suffered during the active duty is assigned a percentage rate. 30% for twice broken jaw, 30% for two traumatic brain injuries, 10% for hearing loss, and so on. A carefully calculated formula for just how much the government thinks my body and mind are worth. I just wanted to go to college and see the world. The price of dreaming is steep in the land of the free and the home of the brave. The check is a matter of permanent public record, the stain of blood money. You will follow me for the rest of my life, but hey, at least my tuition is paid. You're lucky, some kid said to me my first day of class at Colorado University in Boulder. The real damage is invisible. I can't wash it out. T. True or false? Honestly, it's hard to tell these days. My last appointment felt like, my last appointment felt like a dream. 27 deaths in less than eight months and i wrote the press i wrote the press release and covered the ramp and memorial ceremonies for each one the slow march down hastily constructed aisles to pay final respects to shiny dog tags and two clean combat boots while trying to ignore muted sobs of survivors becoming routine after the first few i went numb i thought things would get back to normal when i got home i thought i'd be safe but the world moves around me so fast i can't stop spinning Mm. (laughs) we will get through this (laughs) 
As for sacrifice, before joining the army at 17, I'd only heard the word sacrifice during seminary class. Now every time someone talks about the sacrifice my fallen brothers and sisters have made, my head feels like it's going to explode. They didn't sacrifice their lives. Their lives were stolen from them for dreaming of a way out of their small towns and inner cities, or of a college education, or of medical coverages for their families. You shouldn't thank them. I think every time I hear an empty thanks, you should apologize. Every single one of you should apologize. D for death. Death is a familiar companion. According to veteransandptsd.com, more than 2.7 million Americans are now or have now served in Iraq and Iraq or Afghanistan. More than fought in the Vietnam War. Five to eight thousand of those take their own lives per year. Nearly 20% of veterans who have served in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom have suffered a traumatic brain injury. When I returned from my last deployment, an Army psychiatrist diagnosed me with adjustment disorder after months of insomnia, irritability, and loss of appetite. I still haven't told my family because I have no idea what adjustment disorder is, other than a small percentage of my monthly disability check. I'm still chasing the dreams I have before the war tore them or tore the rest from my memory. I still run from statistics. Tell me again how lucky I am. Mm-hmm. And so to go with that, it reminds me of the song from Five Finger Death Punch. Mm-hmm. You want to ball your eyes out, Yeah. listen to Wrong Side of heaven Mm -hmm. but you have to watch the music video well yeah and you have to read all the statistics that show up and that will be also in the show notes that Mm -hmm. youtube link Mm -hmm. we can't play it or anything (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah or another movie that makes you ball your eyes out and could understand that like pain Mm -hmm. of death taking chance oh with kevin bacon and that movie will make you ugly cry like you cannot imagine yeah well It's a great movie, but man, it hurts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, again, please know that we are not saying that veterans are monsters. No. Not by any means. What is being said is if you, even if you're not a veteran, Mm -hmm. if you're having a hard time and you need help or you want help, it's there. Get it. Go find it. If you have that split second of, I think I need to talk to somebody, do it. Do. Don't, don't second guess yourself. Don't think about it. Just hit send to somebody, anybody. It doesn't matter. If you want to talk to complete and total strangers mm-hmm. our email is the fappod at gmail.com mm-hmm. i am available 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year mm-hmm. and i more than likely don't have any idea what you've been through and nope. i can't relate to it but i've got two perfectly good shoulders and i've got two perfectly good ears sometimes you just need that void mm-hmm. that void to scream into right and for a lot of people sometimes if you scream into the void long enough or you might start with just telling one person right and then it might be more people and then for a lot of people that's when they finally graduate up to enough of being like okay i think i need to talk to somebody on a professional level mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. please do that because i hate those statistics yeah those it hurts Ugh. i don't like them no i want to make things better <laughs> right because It's just this case that we covered today could have been prevented. Absolutely. You know, and that's one thing that sucks about things in the past. Now, now we're at least we're starting to know more. Right. But I still feel like just how blood money talked, Mm -hmm. you know, we shouldn't look at them as percentages. No. Or numbers. Right. So I don't know. It kind of took a, this case took a really heavy turn (laughs) than what we had originally planned. Oh yeah. But it's it's not. 
pretty heavy case. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's a pretty heavy case. At first, when I was researching this case, on the surface, when you dig into it, it basically says, you know, this guy was a veteran and he shot up this place. Right. And then once you start digging, that's when you find he used to hide in his closet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. And I mean, realistically, did he shoot up the place? Mm -hmm. Did he? Right. Because the statistics are saying that he did shoot in there, but he didn't shoot the place up. Right. So it, it goes into there's always more to a story than what first appears. Oh, yeah. There's always more to a story. Well, in my opinion, my own personal opinion, it feels like that night he just lost a battle with himself. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, people got caught in the crosshair. Some of the judgment or speculation was, did he purposely shoot Sally Mills or did his gun go off as he was falling? Right. We won't know. Right. We won't know. And I get I get his wife's pain oh, because sure. when you see that, she had also said that she always thought that he was going to die in Vietnam and in a lot of ways he did. Because Mm -hmm. he never came back the same Mm -hmm. and that's something you can watch any documentary and you will hear that over and over again oh yeah so yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know what else to say (laughs) yeah that kind of uh Brings us to the end of this one. Mm-hmm. On a lighter note. Tomorrow's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's going to be a lot different. Tomorrow's going to be a an interesting change of pace. Uh-huh. More on the lighter side, but then again, not really. Kind of, not really. But yeah. kind of. So, yeah. We're going to we hit you hard today. We'll lighten up tomorrow. And then we're going to go into our big awesome case. Right. And again, our big awesome case, the only hint I'm going to give you is it's going to be barrels of fun. Yeah. So with that, if. If you or anybody you know may need help, reach out, be that shoulder. Absolutely. Find a shoulder, do what you need. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow. Good day.